This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Flamingo Pools, your go-to maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Stop wasting your valuable time trying to take care of your pool and let the professionals at Flamingo Pools take care of it for you. Visit azflamingopools.com for a free quote today. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. All right, we are live today with another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. Today we're here with TJ Searle of Olive Avenue Jewelry. How's it going, man? Good. How's it going, guys? We're doing good. It's been a good day. Thanks for uh, taking time to sure out of your Friday afternoon to come on the podcast. We appreciate it. Um, I guess before we really get into things, why don't you take a couple of minutes and introduce yourself? Um, Sure. Um, Like you said, my name is TJ Searle, Gilbert native. Grew up in Gilbert, went to Gilbert High School, um, graduate, would say it again? Ouch, yeah, Gilbert, that's a rough <laughs> subject. It's alright, I have <laughs> friends at Highland that we were able to, right, to, right. to cross that bridge, mend all that right. bridge there, right? There we go. Um, let's see, so I've lived here my whole life, uh, kind of, sorry, me is I uh, still live in Gilbert, I'm married. Have a kid, eight month old baby. Nice. Um, haven't made it very far, but <laughs> <laughs> right, moved a few miles down the road from where I I grew up. Um, I don't know what else you guys want to know about me. I guess what's good background? What's, what what, do people, what what do the people want to like, hear? What, what makes TJ TJ? Um, it's a good question. So, like I said, I went to Gilbert when served a mission, Colorado. Okay. And then got back and went to ASU for. Four years. Okay. Uh, my, my degree there. Okay. What'd you get your degree in? Accounting. And are, are you glad you did that? Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of hit on that, I feel like there's two types of people in the world, especially if you're talking about like entrepreneurship uh-huh. or business owners and uh-huh. you have a vein of people who are like, oh, we don't really need school, which is fine. That fits some people. Mm-hmm. I'm on the opposite side where I feel like school and getting a higher education and going to and getting a meaningful degree, right? Not just some random or generic yeah. arts degree, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's contributed a ton to my success and okay. in being able to be a business owner right. and, and do the different things I do. And so when people ask me or if I have friends, I definitely say go to school. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it's something that is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Don't no. just go get a, a generic degree, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you? So did your parents grow up teaching you guys like? go to school or was that something kind of for yourself that you no made? they definitely did um they definitely did my our parent my parents so i come from a family of eight kids oh wow. i'm number seven. Oh wow so i have a lot of older siblings and one younger brother um there's five boys in my family and so we've all kind of stuck real close um and all growing up it's it was just kind of an expectation hey you're gonna go to school yeah um it wasn't one of the situations i don't think my parents paid a dollar for any of our educations when yeah. it came to school um, either had to get a scholarship or you did it yourself kind mm-hmm. of thing. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's definitely ingrained in us uh, to to do that. So it wasn't like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not. It's definitely like, okay, going to school. I did a little bit before I went on a mission and came home and, 
and then just try to crush it out as fast as I could. Right. Cool. Yeah. Good to get both perspectives on that in terms of sure. entrepreneurs. Um, why, why did you choose accounting? Um, I'm not very good at anything else. <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. Uh-huh. Um, there, I don't have any skills. I'm not musical. I can't sing. <laughs> I can't play an instrument. Um, that's funny because we're actually going to sing a song at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like our I new thing start we do. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I get to pick the song. Um, no, so so literally I, I just, accounting my brothers, I have three older brothers and two, I guess all three of them got accounting degrees. So I kind of just like, hey, I can kind of hitch my wagon to them and they can help me get through it. And then it was something I liked, like understanding yeah. the numbers. And, and to be honest, when you talk about accounting, Everyone thinks it's just sitting behind a desk doing taxes or something like that. Sure. That's what I think. Of. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's one part of accounting. Uh-huh. And you learn in school, there's two, there's there's that side of it. But the true essence of like accounting is understanding the language of business. Um, and that's the saying you hear people say that are in the accounting program or have, have learned anything about accounting. Accounting is actually like the truest language of business. So okay. you can understand accounting and i'm not saying taxes but i'm talking like looking at someone's financials right Mm -hmm. looking at a profit and loss statement looking at a balance sheet Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with taxes but that's accounting yeah i can look at that and immediately tell you the story of a business you know are they successful or not Uh where are their where are their pain points Uh where are they um doing well or or need help right Mm -hmm. so i never was in it for like the tax side and being a boring number cruncher behind the desk but I love the asset, the aspect of business and understanding okay. how businesses run yeah. and what makes them in the background be successful or not because that really tells you the story. Right. You know, you could have someone out there on the face of business like, oh, we're doing great, look at all this. But if, but that's not a true story because you can look at the accounting and see yeah, this is how it really is, right? So that's kind of why I like that. Um, so that, I, yeah, like to go back to that question, I'm not good at anything else other than that. <laughs> Cool. So did you get this accounting degree to one day become an accountant or did you know beforehand that that would help you with any sort of business ventures that you took on? Uh, it's the second one. I knew it would help me with the, my business ventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew from the day I started school going to for accounting that I wasn't going to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be a, a paper pusher. <laughs> yeah, CPA, right? Yeah. Like I knew I could fall back on that if I yeah. needed to, but I knew, hey, this is going to be... Um, a tool to help me when I want to go do other things. Right. So more of my, my story line here would be like, I graduated from school and immediately while I was in school, I was interning at a private equity firm okay. um, that handles real estate mm-hmm. and they handle big funds of money and buying real estate across the country. And uh, so I was interning there to be a financial analyst Yeah. and my accounting background helped me get that job. And then as soon as I did graduate, I just stayed there and, and was able to interview for a full-time job as an analyst. Okay. Um, and that was, that was awesome. I loved it. But that was a lot more like building models in Excel. Right. Doing, uh, they're called waterfall models for, for investments. So buying and selling these properties, you go do that, the analysis on what investors are getting back, what kind of returns you can see. Again, kind of the story yeah. of that business, of yeah. that investment. Um, so I love that. And so I knew when I went to school, like, hey, I'm going to end up doing something like that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be... A CPA doing people's yeah. taxes, yeah. right? Um, You'll do your own, but that's yeah, about right. It. <laughs> I was able to do my own in TurboTax yeah. and, and, <laughs> and understand a little bit. But to be honest, my knowledge of like actual taxes itself is pretty limited. Yeah. People are like, oh, you went to school for accounting? Can you do my taxes? Like, no, it's not how that <laughs> I works. Can't even do yeah, my own, yeah. Dude. <laughs> at this point, I don't do my own. It's not, it's not how that works. So, right. but yeah. Um, 
while I was in school, just to kind of keep going to where we're at now, uh, like I said, I was in school full-time doing this internship full-time. So mm-hmm. I was working 30 hours a week in school doing full schedule and then um, had this side hustle going of, of selling jewelry. And that's kind oh, of okay. how we got to where we are now. Um, how do you even, sorry to interrupt, but how do you decide to start selling jewelry? Like, how does that become a, an idea? So, Especially as a guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I had it, I had it in on it because my dad, he taught Samaritan Institute for 30 years. Okay. And he, on the side, had a diamond business and had like a brick and mortar store here in Mesa. Oh. Um, and he had started it selling diamonds when he was in college at BYU. Oh, wow. Like... I don't know how many years ago that was, 40 years ago. So was it rings or just diamonds? So when he started, he started with diamonds and then got into rings. Okay. And then when he had the store here, it was like a full service uh, ring store. Yeah. Okay. Like you go cool. down to the mall and you have the jewelry stores, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sell all yeah. sorts of jewelry. Um, so he had that for a long time. I grew up around it. And then in 2010, he closed it up and retired from teaching and started a boys ranch. Oh, down wow. in southern Arizona. Okay. And him and my mom moved down there mm-hmm. and they closed the store. And so from 2010 to 2014, 15, it was just kind of dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, they kept a little like executive suite in Mesa that they'd meet old customers out of okay. or people who would call and say, hey, I'm looking for something because they still had the connections to diamond wholesalers yeah. or, um, you know, the goldsmith who does all the work on the jewelry. Right. So when I got home from my mission, I had friends getting married. Mm-hmm. And they knew my family used to be in that business. So yeah. they started calling me. They're like, hey, I'm getting married. I need a diamond. Mm-hmm. Can you help me find one? And I was like, sure. So as a side hustle on the set, uh, okay. nights and on Saturdays, I would meet with clients a couple of months out of this little executive suite. Uh-huh. And I just started learning the trade. And so it was almost just like setting your lap, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, like, the opportunity was there. I don't want to say, like, oh, hey, I was given this this store and this, right. this thing. Because... It wasn't like, oh, hey, take this and just take it over. And run it. As, when I stepped in to kind of do it, it, was, it wasn't it was a living thing anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I was able to say, hey, I have access to that. So, yeah, like I give my, my parents credit for saying, hey, there was something, a foundation for me to go off of. Yeah, yeah. connections. Yeah, the connections yeah. to the industry, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Outside that, it's not like there was money or inventory no. or anything yeah. like that. So right. I just started hustling diamonds to my friends who needed it. That's sweet. And then I had a... a kid come to me one day he's like hey i want this exact ring and he showed me a picture off of etsy mm-hmm. and i was like oh I, I can get that exact same ring for half the price from one of these goldsmiths i uh-huh, work with uh-huh. and i was like why don't i start selling this on etsy um so it went from just meeting people randomly that would call me to uh my brother and i and this was before i got married you know made a little etsy shop and just started th- throwing rings up on there right we each put in 500 bucks to buy some product that was oh, like our initial investment. Say, so let's buy some product, take some pictures, and throw it on there and see what happens. Just <laughs> total sweet. side hustle. I never uh, wanted to get into jewelry. wasn't going to be my thing at all. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd watched my parents do it. And I'm like, that's zero interest, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just started slowly growing, and we started making sales. And then I, I did get married, and around then it was like, really wasn't doing anything. And then my wife and I were like, hey, let's, let's make this a real side project. And mm-hmm. she's creative and came up with this branding and we, we re- came up with this name, um, Olive Avenue, which 
people ask us all the time why you name it that. It was the right. street we lived on when we got married. Oh, the first cool. street we lived on was Olive Avenue oh, and Gilbert. Sweet. So Romantic. we just said, yeah, right. Well, we had a hard time coming up with a name, and we're like, let's just go with that. So. Yeah. Well, it almost goes with the company too. Like you do rings, yeah. and it's you know kind of where you and your wife started yeah. too. So that's sweet. It's got that's a little cool. backstory, so yeah. I guess that's cool. But um, yeah, so then it was always just a side project. Uh huh. And at this point, were your brothers still involved, or is it mostly uh, just you my one involved? brother was involved? Okay. For um, like 2015 to uh, 2017, okay. or mid 2017-ish, for about a year and a half, he was involved. Uh huh. And it was still just a side project. Um. So I was going to school, working my internship, and then it, I found myself every night, him and I getting together for four or five hours every night, working on it. Yeah. Just taking pictures, had my wife help him take pictures, because she, again, she was the creative side, and listing them. And then we'd get a few orders, so we'd find ourselves there at night, packaging rings and sending them to people. Or and you started with 500, each, each of you. So about a thousand bucks, yeah. yeah. Like, outside that, there's really nothing. And just an Etsy shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we still are able to say, hey, we have been in business, like our All of Av logo has established in 1981 under it. Yeah. Because that's when my dad started it. Right. So we just say, hey, we're carrying on that. That's cool, yeah. That legacy, that business, right? Because we're, we're basing it off of even his experience. Right, yeah. Have had him kind of coach us on some For things sure. to do. Yeah. Uh, and then to kind of bring it full circle, we it just grew and grew and grew until, I don't know, probably... We had to hire people to help manage it, and yeah. then we moved off Etsy, made a website, and then they, almost two years ago now, they got to the point where I had to decide, am I going to keep on a career path in private equity and doing the, the analyst stuff, or am mm-hmm. I going to bail out and go be my own boss and try and make this thing go, right. and like start run my own business, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and uh, chose to do that and haven't looked back, and it's been awesome. Like, It's opened up a ton of doors for us to do other things as well, uh-huh. so... Um, we've been able to me and my brothers and other people involved have been able to start a few different things and some things have failed some things are still going uh, but if you would have asked me a few years ago hey what are you going to be doing I would have never told you running a jewelry, <laughs> jewelry. business yeah, yeah. Um, but here I am that's cool running a jewelry business sure so when when it came to that uh, point to make a decision uh, that career split was was that a really huff, tough decision like did it take a lot of time or in the back of your head like did you know that this was what what you were meant to do um yes and no it's it's it was hard because i was in a good spot in my career yeah i had graduated been there for at full time at this job and with an awesome career trajectory uh-huh. doing something i i thought i was good at yeah um but deep down i had this inkling that okay i have this opportunity i'm young i'm never gonna have the chance to do this again yeah and so it was hard for the sake of not having the security of a job and like for sure. we wanted to have a kid. I wasn't going to have insurance anymore when you're self-employed, right? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. all that kind of stuff you have to take into account. So it was really scary in that aspect, but I always knew deep down like I'm going to have to make the jump. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, and that was a really hard, hard conversation. Me and my wife talked about it a lot and felt comfortable that it was real hard when it came time to actually like talk to my boss and um, give you a little more context. My brother's all three who are older than me, they work at the same private equity firm with me. And so it was like, it was a great atmosphere. We loved it. Um, And we all did different things there. So it was hard for me to say, let me leave this where I have my brothers and I have a ton of other friends I've made here to go do this, which is going to be unknown, taking a risk, jump. Uh Um, So yeah, it was definitely scary, but at the same time, it's like I knew I had to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, 
it just had to buck up and pull the trigger and, right. and did that I guess almost two years ago now and, and how how did you go about doing something like that making that big step from you know the safety net to the the more unknown um, like I said it took a, took a lot of talking with my wife and being able to like feel comfortable like hey we're able to um, live off of you know whatever we need to are we just, like financially you know we made sure we were in a good spot to say okay I have a safety net and if I have to I can go back and yeah. and get another job in the same field yeah um, outside that it was literally just a, a lot of conversations with people weighing my pros and cons um, and I kind of I was fairly confident it was gonna work out um, so that helped a ton but yeah a lot of it was just having to weigh weigh pros and cons of where do I really want to be? Mm-hmm. Which opportunity is going to open more doors for my future? And, you know, when I would sit there and picture myself, what do I want to be doing in five years? Do I want to still be at a firm like this? Or do I want to be doing my own thing? And so yeah. if I'm going to make the jump, I just might as well do it now before I have kids, before I'm too entrenched, and before I have a house and mortgage yeah. payment, all these things, right? Yeah. Um, so it was helpful to be in a good spot and my wife having being on board and she was involved with the business from the beginning, so it was uh-huh. easy for her to say, yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah. you can do it. So she was a huge, huge help in that. That's awesome. Has there ever been a time from that moment you made the jump until now where you hit a hurdle that made you question whether you made the right decision or not? No. Honestly, no. We've hit hurdles, but nothing to make me, like, look back and be crazy. like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely hurt. every day is a hurdle. Right. Um, there's there's new things to do, whether it's from employees that you have to manage now to business processes, to customers, yeah, yeah. to everything. But it's, um, no, I, I can't honestly say I regret anything. I mean, sure, I would do things different, some things here and there, but not as far as deciding to leave my job or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. What What have you done since starting off as a side hustle to grow the business and get your name out there? Um, like as, as the brand? Yeah, marketing, right. uh advertising sure so we we are pretty heavy on like social media marketing yeah we've noticed it looks really good all right thank you um yeah i my wife runs the branding has a couple girls to work for and they work hard so um, cool. glad to hear that yeah um but yeah so we we were real heavy on running facebook ads instagram ads uh-huh. google analytics uh, adwords sorry um we don't do traditional marketing like print newspapers yeah stuff like that so that's a lot of our heavy spend. Um, we've tried to dabble with like influencers and, and stuff like that. And we have found that with jewelry, it's not, I gotta be careful I put this. We don't get the best return on it. Okay. Cause it's a higher priced item. I feel like you see some Instagram influencer, it's easier for them to say, hey, look at this cool shirt. And you see, right. cool, yeah. I'm gonna go buy it, it's 20 bucks. Whereas yeah. Instagram influencer is like, hey, look at this $2,000 ring I'm wearing. Not very many people are gonna click it, but yeah, I mean, cool, impulse buy, it, yeah. buy that. <laughs> I mean, not to say it doesn't work, but we have to spend a lot of money or give them a ring or whatever right. it is. And it's right. not as easy saying, here's a couple free shirts and swag. For like, sure. um, so we've, we've definitely cooled off on that. Uh-huh. But yeah, social media is huge for us. Uh-huh. That's our number one thing. Do you do the ads yourself, or do you start off yourself, or do you have to get someone to figure out how to do those for you? Um, we started off myself and my brother. He kind of took that into his wheelhouse to figure out the Facebook ads. Okay. Um, and then over the last two years, we've been able to grow up to have a couple employees that does their their thing now. Nice. And oh, so it's all in house then. Yeah, that's yeah. We we've used different agencies when we were we're dabbling with stuff uh-huh. and. 
we feel comfortable doing it in-house now right. that we get the same results or better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's cheaper for us than paying a, a fee to some agencies. For sure. So. You have any secrets or tips to getting effective <laughs> Facebook ads? Honestly, uh, no. I don't have any tips. The only thing I can say is the content. Uh-huh. Like I, I see people's ads out there for businesses, and they're pushing a picture or a video that's just not edited or not yeah, yeah. well made or you yeah. know what I mean it's just like why are you spending the money to push that mm-hmm. um, so like the thing we've seen that we get the most return on the ads that are clean simple and are yeah. done well right. and do you do all those yourself do you like do you guys take the pictures and everything mm-hmm. yourself in house wow. between all of our employees yeah Okay. so at one point in time it was just me my brother and my wife right running mm-hmm. this and now it's we probably have 10 employees that are in-house that, you know, each of them have a different thing to do, whether it's the marketing or the content creation. Uh-huh. We have a couple girls who do all the photography and editing, and then a guy who then takes their stuff and goes and puts it on Facebook, and he every day is managing the ads, wow. which ones are doing well, where our ad spend should go, and retargeting, and then we do these campaigns around Valentine's Day or uh-huh. Christmas or whatever, and mm-hmm. so we're constantly meeting and figuring out where to push that. So yeah, we have enough people that we do that all in house right now. That's super cool. Did you have to uh, train these people to do that, or did you find people that already had experience in the advertising? Uh, most train, mostly training mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, a couple of the people we hired to do uh, like photography, they knew how to use a yeah, camera already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, we've had to train everyone. So, like for instance, the guy who does uh, my friend who works for us doing our marketing right now, we hired a consultant to come in and teach him a bunch of stuff about Facebook mm-hmm. marketing. Okay. And came in for like six weeks, a couple uh-huh. times a week, taught him a ton- bunch of stuff, and then bailed out. And now he just does it, right? Nice, nice. So he didn't know it before, but I hired him to do it because he was doing some other stuff. Um, and said, hey, you want to take this part over? Yeah. And we found someone who was good at it, come train him, and then now he does it. That's cool. Okay, so funny story. The reason that I uh, came across you guys in the first place. Well, backstory. So we, I use you guys for my... Yeah, my I, I remember meeting with um, you. Yeah. So my sister recommended you guys because four or five years ago, probably right when you guys started off, you did some sort of giveaway yep. where you hit a ring. Maybe you can touch on this a bit more, but uh, one of my sister's friends is the one that found the ring. Okay. And then three years later, I'm looking for a ring. My sister's like, hey, I know about this place. It's super cool. You should check it out. And that's the reason wow. we, we went with you guys. Well, I'm glad that worked then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so we we grew our first few years up until like a few months ago. Giveaways was big for us uh-huh. to grow. Um, yeah, we did that giveaway where we, I think we did three rings maybe here. I know we did some in Utah and we even like did one in Disneyland. Oh, really? Oh, that's my, awesome. my wife and I went there and we're like, let's okay. do one there. See, we have any people in California follow us. And within no like way. five minutes of posting it, someone found it. Whoa. Um, but yeah, we did this thing where we, po- we, we would hide, um, they weren't very expensive. They were just some sterling silver rings that were gold plated. It's five dollar Amazon rings, yeah, right? They're <laughs> a little more than that, but yeah, well, they're less than a hundred bucks okay, each, yeah. right? But it was more about getting people For excited. Sure, yeah. And we went and hit them in different places in Gilbert and Mesa and um, just posted clues on our Instagram story. That's cool. Um, and I remember we had friends who went out. My wife and I were driving around hiding them, so we didn't get to watch as people found them because we'd hide them and then need to bail out yeah. to go place the yeah. next one. But I remember hearing we had a, a we hit one in downtown Gilbert, actually on Olive Avenue, where oh, we live. Oh, okay. Um, and my wife's friend was there and remember told us that she saw like a group of like 20 or 30 girls running around <laughs> downtown Gilbert trying to find this ring i'm like cool like at least people are seeing it something's yeah. working then yeah. but that's good i'm glad to hear that that led to that because then 
it sounds like that paid off for us, right? right? Yeah, like, yeah. People heard about our brand, and and a lot of those isn't about converting to customers more. It is brand recognition that for hopefully sure. would convert yeah. someone else yeah. to, as a customer a few years later. Mm-hmm. And so. brand recognition, I think, is huge, but you don't oh, always yeah. see the ROI or you yeah. can't always track it. So mm-hmm. it's, doesn't mean it's not important. Definitely to, tough to do. To brand it. Yeah. So as like a numbers guy, what are your thoughts on giveaways? Like how, like money so, wise? Yeah. So. For us, we found doing a giveaway is better than, let's say, doing a collaboration with like an influencer okay. um, because we were able to get a better return. We were able to gain more followers from that. Yeah. Um, I haven't done the math to actually see, like, calculate for every giveaway we've done, the amount we had to pay versus the amount of followers we gained from it or uh-huh. something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I just know that it's better than everything else we've ever tried to do. Yeah. Um, one thing we found that doesn't work and... For anyone who ever hears this, this is why we don't do collaboration giveaways anymore. Is we we used to do like co-branded giveaways, like we'll give a ring and some other company would throw something in. Yeah. And we those were always our worst giveaways. We never got any kind of oh, really? bump from them, and and it would always cost us the most, right? We're giving <laughs> away a seven hundred dollar ring, and they're giving away a photo shoot. Yeah. That's their time, right? And not to devalue their time, but you get my point. Like for sure. Um. So like a year and a half, two years ago, we just stopped doing give, combined giveaways with other companies because okay. we tried it a handful of times and it never worked for us. Uh, so we have found that doing a solo giveaway with a ring that's a thousand bucks, like our cost, like that's how much we have to pay on it or yeah. more, mm-hmm. had huge results. You know, you get mm-hmm. five, seven thousand followers out of it sometimes. Which is huge. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's and it wasn't always like that. Like that was probably from the time we were at we're at like 120,000 followers on Instagram and we're at like 50 to 80. That's where we saw the most growth before mm-hmm. it was real slow. And mm-hmm. then in there it kind of expanded. And now we don't do giveaways very often because our marketing, we'd rather spend the money on the marketing okay. dollars on like Facebook right. or Instagram. Nice. Um, how else has accounting or everything you learned with your accounting degree benefited this business in specific? This business in specific? Yeah. Uh, it helped us... It no, it helped me, and I would and I would say us, um, like my wife and my brother when we started it, because it kept us grounded as far as not spending money too fast, not trying to scale too quick, yeah. because we understood the financial ramifications of trying to do that right. Um, we could have gone out out and got a loan to do that, but instead of we were able to sit there and understand, okay, we can do, we could make a performer and project out how many sales we need to do and how much money that'd make us to roll back in and yeah. do these things. So yeah. we're able to be pretty savvy about our, our financial decisions to keep it going. Whereas I feel like a lot of businesses and friends I know have started stuff that don't understand the financial side of it. They just think work hard and not, and money will pile up. And, uh-huh. and next thing you know, they're working hard and there's no money piled up because they've spent <laughs> it dumb or, right. you know, go buy stuff they don't need to as marketing expenses or whatever it may be. Right. Sure. So it definitely helped us in our decision making early on not to do irresponsible things. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. 
Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. Cool. And then so you said earlier that you hired some people that didn't necessarily know the trade, but you once they came in house, you taught them how to do it. Why did you hire somebody like that instead of just going out and getting somebody that had had experience in marketing or photography? Um, good question. I think a lot of it comes down to the people, everyone we've hired, we hired because they're a good culture fit. Um, I don't necessarily, like you would definitely want to hire people that are talented and skilled yeah, mm-hmm. in, the, in the area you need them to be. Yeah. Um, I think for me and, and being able to draw on my experience of working at a corporate place before, uh-huh. um, culture is the number one thing. Um, you can train people to do stuff, but if someone isn't a culture fit, you can't fix that. Yeah, you can try, sure. you can try and get them to mesh and blend with everyone else there, but if it's not a good culture fit, so I hired mainly based on who's going to be a col- good culture fit. Um, plus, uh, for instance, the girl who does our photography, you got to make sure they know how to use a camera. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she didn't need to have experience in doing product photography before because, uh-huh. okay, we can train you on that. Mm-hmm. But she's a good culture fit. Nice. Uh, so I guess to answer that question, that would be we just felt that that was more important than saying going finding someone who has five years' experience yeah. in, in Facebook marketing or yeah. mm-hmm. product photography. Nice. So what What is the culture of Olive Avenue? <laughs> Um, it's good. It, 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 I want to say, I don't want to say we're grinders, but like, it's not one of those places where we require everyone to have a dress code. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get your work done, that's all that matters. And then it's, it's more of a family feel. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't want to sound, I have my cousin to say that. I don't want to sound cliche. Like, sure. oh, my business or my work's family. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's more of a family feel. Like we can all go in there and say, "Hey, how's your weekend?" Let's talk about personal things. And yeah. It's not weird. And like, and we go do quarterly events. Like, oh, cool. Like we go do an escape room, or go out to dinner, uh-huh. or go go kart racing, or yeah. something like that. And everyone like wants to do it because we're all friends. Like we've all become friends. Right. Um. So I mean, there's aspects of it where we we have to carry ourselves with professionalism, meeting yeah. with customers yeah. and stuff like that. But because we are an online shop. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of our sales are done through the the internet. Okay, it's not like we have to have a, a strict customer facing culture where it's super rigid. Uh-huh. Um, I like to think I'm a laid back boss. My employees might say different, <laughs> but yeah. um, I I would say it's and then I think the the main part of the culture that we look for there is that people that want to be ambitious, want to be there, uh-huh. like want to come and like add value, not just clock in and out. Let me come and click click click, but let me come up with new ideas. How can we make this business grow rather than just being a cog in the machine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes down to the work and actual like grinding culture, I want people that are hustlers that are willing to come sure. in and say, how can I add value? Not just come in and give me a job, clock in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's kind of your role right now? Um, I, I just oversee all the departments and everyone's work as far as making sure projects are getting done, making sure we're heading in the right direction and then I've had to work hard 
to pull myself out of being a person who works in the business and working on the business. Okay. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the book. It's called E Myth. I have, yeah. Um, Don's a big book guy. Yeah, that one's. I, I not have, read. I just listen. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Audible, right? Yeah. yeah. Same. So I have to listen to that one every every year just to refresh because the whole this whole idea of um, as an entrepreneur, and I and I have we can talk later. I have issues with the word entrepreneur. I don't like the con the the way people. Let's use talk it about sometimes. that at the end because that's interesting. Yeah, yeah like like yeah. I don't I don't call myself an entrepreneur. Okay. I I've been involved with starting multiple businesses and. And I don't call myself an entrepreneur because okay. I don't like that word. Even though, sure, by definition, that's what I am. But we'll talk about it then. Okay. Um, so I kind of more, have had to transition into being more working on the business than in. So where I'm not doing the day-to-day work and I'm working on how can we improve the business? How can we better our, um, our website? How can I do things that are going to expand it? Whether it's website-related, marketing-related, finding new vendors. Yeah. Um, building business relationships rather than me being someone who's in there fulfilling orders every day right. and meeting with customers. Uh-huh. So for instance, when you came in, I was the guy who would meet with people. Yeah. I don't meet with people anymore. Okay. I've trained a couple employees to meet with people nice. because I'm trying to be more, how can I have an entrepreneurship role in growing it growing. than being someone who's just working in the business, uh-huh. right? Um, and that's the, right now I've, in starting to hit stride with that where my daily stuff is okay I touch base with everyone who's in charge of certain aspects of business yep. make sure it's running right um, give guidance where I think it's needed and then I'm finding ways to try to improve and grow mm-hmm. awesome. um, with that is that was that something that you struggled to to kind of delegate tasks or absolutely I, I think any business person could tell you business owner tell you that's hard um, going back only because I just re-listened to this book so I'm drawn from it um, I forgot what the percentage of businesses that are started. It's like 80% of businesses that are started are started by someone who was technically like a worker or a technician, right, in that, in that industry, and uh-huh. they think, I can do this better. Mm-hmm. And they go and start it, and they find the problem is not only do they um, have to try and fill and be the entrepreneur and manager side of it, but they get stuck in being the technician. Yeah. And right. this was true for me, and it's hard to do it, but like the whole delegating and saying, okay, I started this and I did every aspect of it because at some point in time I have mm-hmm. and let other people do it. Um, you just have to trust that it's going to get done uh-huh. even if it's not your way. And if, if you get that same result, then that works. But yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, and there's still aspects that are hard for me to let go and, uh-huh. and let my do employees it. do it or someone else do it. Cause, but I know that's the only way to really for be sure. scalable uh-huh. as a business. Yeah. Does it help that you've hired people that fit the culture? Is that kind of where you have your trust because you've hired people that are with you guys? 100%. 100%. Because I can trust people who work with me that things will get done. It, mm-hmm. it makes it, it does make it easier. Um, and we've had a couple of people who come in and worked and I, they weren't a culture fit and I couldn't trust them and they, they didn't stick around, right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a huge piece of that. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely recommend that book for anyone who struggles to delegate or feels like they're so busy, caught up in the day-to-day tasks of their business. It really helps you be able to take a step back, like you said, work on your business rather than in your business. Remind the listeners of that book again. E-Myth. Yeah, it's called E-Myth Revisited. And I, Michael something, just type in E-Myth. <laughs> you'll find, you'll it. find it. Yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. Okay. Um, I guess let's talk a bit more about Olive Avenue in general. I know you guys sell jewelry. Is it specifically rings, wedding rings? What What do you guys? Yeah. So where our whole focus is is rings right now. 
I mean, we can do custom stuff like earrings and, and necklaces. We do okay. all the same stuff any other jewelry store does. Uh-huh. Um, but we focus on rings just because that's kind of our, our target market yeah. is yeah. engagement rings or gemstone rings. Uh-huh. Um, and then we do dabble with men's bands, just like okay. gold bands. And is some that what you have on right here? Yeah, just like this is just a gold, a rose gold band. Rose gold, that's super cool. So we'll just do cool. stuff like that. I mean, and this is an example of something that I need to do and so my goals is to expand our offerings of men's bands and different products, yeah, yeah. right? But we've been so busy with just engagement rings, like no one's had the time to branch out and uh-huh. add those to our uh-huh. our inventory collections you know, on our website. So yeah. that's a good example. But yeah, so mainly that's our focus is just engagement rings at this point. Cool. Um, do you guys do custom rings too or do you have mm-hmm. just kind of your set? No, set we do tons of custom rings. Tons of customers. We have everything on our website that uh-huh. is, is kind of a unique, mm-hmm. vintage we feel to it. Um, I have a question about that. Yeah. Why the vintage antique look? Um, because that's what is in style right now. And and I, I think it'll always be in style. Yeah. And so my wife, that's, that's where she gets all the credit. She, when we started this, she was kind of in charge of the procurement of our designs mm-hmm. and our branding. And go back three years and go to any girl's Pinterest yeah. and everything <laughs> on there is like this rose gold oval antique looking rings uh-huh. some with different designs some obviously yeah. we still have your classic just like solitaires or, yeah. or rings with diamonds or or halos those are popular right but yeah because the market that at that point yeah. and and this is unofficial but I believe that Pinterest drives a lot of the engagement ring market uh-huh. what's popular on there uh-huh. and what was cool What's cool today wasn't cool two years ago. Yeah. There are different types of stones, or for sure. Like for instance, probably ninety percent of our sales are moissanite rings, which are are an alternative to a diamond. Oh okay. really? I wanted to touch on that a bit because I've I've heard of like you know obviously everyone knows the diamond, but mm-hmm. there's other things too that look like a diamond. Sure. Replicated diamond. I mean, I don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Um. So moissanite is a, is a, the big one in the market right now. It has been. It's gotten real popular over the last few years. Um. So I'll, to give you an example, a, a diamond is a 10 on the hardness scale. Mm-hmm. A moissanite looks just like a diamond, but it's a 9.2 on the hardness scale. Wow. So it's the second hardest stone in the world. A one carat diamond can range anywhere from four to $7,000. A one carat moissanite is like 500 bucks. Oh, wow. Whereas, it, and you don't want to get it confused with like a CZ, a cubic zirconium, which is like the cheap costume jewelry you see at little stores or something uh-huh. those are like five bucks for uh, a one carat one of those right okay. so moissanites in the last four or five years have become huge because they're just as durable as diamonds they look just like a diamond i could bring a diamond and moissanite in here and you wouldn't be able to tell them apart uh-huh. but it's a fraction of the cost and oh, is wow. a moissanite an organic thing or is it like manufactured so they're 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 lab made now okay it originated um actually off of a meteor do you guys know this meteor this crater it's up in like northern Arizona. Yeah, you know, that huge one. So like back in the fifties, some guy found the first moissanite ever in there, oh, wow. and his name was Henry Moisson. So that's why it's called moissanite. Okay. I I truthfully hate the name moissanite. It's so hard <laughs> to say, and it sounds weird. Um, but it's named after him. Okay. And so it in the original form of moissanite uh, was formed in space on a meteor, okay. where there's no oxygen. So a diamond's made from carbon. A moissanite mm-hmm. is carbon and silicone combined uh, um so now what they've been able to do is is replicate it in labs and grow them in these labs and manufacture them and 
they even do that with diamonds nowadays. Yeah, yeah, Most yeah. diamonds, a lot of diamonds are starting to become lab grown. It's a natural diamond that's real. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But instead of mining out of the earth, they're able to take all the stuff that goes into it, put it in this huge machine that's like the size of this room that mimics the earth's heat and pressure and leave it in there for like a month. And then it comes out a tube of crystal where they can cut out diamonds. And it's, it's a real diamond, it's just lab grown. Wow. So that's in the last year, like that's something we'll start selling soon because it's starting to gain popularity because they're cheaper than mined diamonds, okay. you know, diamonds you find out of the earth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's alternatives. Moy science, huge, super cost effective, looks just as good. And then you have other gemstones like the pink one that everyone loves is called a morganite. Hmm. Um, and those are pretty inexpensive, but you can, people love that with rose gold and, yeah. and they're they're it's cute right like, yeah. as a guy i don't really care <laughs> yeah. about it but like girls love it so yeah, yeah. we sell it cool. and these are all ranked like one to ten you said on a hardness uh yeah so a, a morganite is like a oh someone's gonna fact check me on this it's a barrel stone is like the stone a family it comes from and they're softer they're somewhere in the six to seven range uh-huh. i think so after time they can get kind of scratched up and cloudy so okay. you gotta be careful with them um so yeah, there's. I'm over here spouting off information like I'm a jeweler, and I I tell myself all the time I I'm not a jeweler, even though I am. Like, uh, it's funny because again, like I said, I don't. I never thought I'd be. I would know all this stuff, and uh-huh. yeah. it's what I would be doing. Yeah, yeah. I'd so. say Ridge, you probably rank like a two on that scale. Yeah, you're pretty soft. You're pretty yeah, soft. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm about a two. Down somewhere between like a. Uh, he, uh, uh, I don't know, like a six and okay. six and a half. Six there and a half. Yeah. <laughs> right up there with Morgan. Yeah. Like, I can be a pretty soft guy. Um, love what, it. What's the process of creating a ring, creating a custom ring? Like as a, from a customer standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so most customers will email us and say, Hey, they'll take a, a design we already have or go on Pinterest and find a picture and say, uh-huh. Hey, I, I want this ring, but with these things changed. And then we have a customer service team um, that we just work with them over email to pinpoint what they want. And then we've got a CAD program that we draw up the design in the CAD program on the computer. Yeah. We can make renderings, send it to them, have them give us feedback, edits, whatever it may be. Uh-huh. And then we make the changes. Um, from there, it goes to be 3D printed. So ring gets 3D printed first. Cool. And you can, if customers want, they can try on a 3D printed oh, version really? of it or oh, we can mail sweet. it to them. It's just like a green resin wax, right? Uh-huh. But at least it gives them an idea of size yeah, and really scale cool. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then once that's all approved, we just go ahead and have it cast in gold and have the di- our goldsmith set all the diamonds and finish it off. Nice. Cool. Sounds like a cool process. What is the benefit of coming to you know small local owned business like you rather than some of the big name franchises? Sure. Um, we're way less. Uh, it's what's the right word? I don't want to say cheap. Cheap's not the right word because it's the same quality. It's less expensive. Okay. We're way less expensive than your normal jewelry stores. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we don't have a store with you know a million dollars of inventory, we don't have that yeah. overhead. We can manufacture it and sell it to you at a way cheaper price uh-huh. than anywhere else and that's kind of our competitive edge is just to be less expensive but you're getting the same quality of ring literally what what you get from us is the same stuff you're going to get from any other jewelry store jared's or zell's or you name yeah. chain co right same quality of gold everything so just because of people come to us usually you're going to find it's about half the price of somewhere like jared's okay. for the same thing 
so why all online and why not a store um everything in the world is moving to online right Mm -hmm. so because we started online as a not a full-time thing for me Mm -hmm. it's just easier and natural to stay on that we've thought about doing a store again but just doesn't make sense because industry-wide brick and mortar jewelry stores are going out of business Mm -hmm. faster than you can snap because people our age are, are willing to buy it online yeah um Pictures Especially and, you can get like the three D rendering. Yeah, well, you get rendering. Yeah. You get pictures. You can see diamonds online in a three sixty view now. Yeah. And, and and the old school traditional jewelry model is like, oh, don't buy a diamond without seeing it first. Which sure it's true, but now yeah. you can see the video of it online. Mm-hmm. Um, and customers can email us and say, this is what I'm looking for. We can send them videos of diamonds. If you don't like it, you can return it too. So mm-hmm. we offer thirty day returns. So if you get the ring and you don't like it, unless it's something completely custom, mm-hmm. you can return it. Mm-hmm. So with that safety net, people are way more apt. To you know, from the comfort of their home to, to ring shop, mm-hmm. pick something out and buy it and yeah. and go that route. So you don't have a storefront, but you have some sort of office space where people can still come in because you said you meet with clients. Yeah, sometimes. so we meet by appointment only. We do have an office in the front that uh, customers can email us, uh-huh. set up a time to come in. Okay. And we will meet with them to still to go through their traditional jewelry buying process, yeah. you know, talk about design, show them diamonds. Yeah. Because we don't have the inventory for people to come pick through, Generally, we say, hey, tell us what you're looking for, and we can try and get some in, in advance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they come in, tell us what they're looking for. We do have, at any given time, maybe 100 rings in inventory, uh, so people can browse through that. But, yeah, so we still do appointments. People can come in. It's just not open you know, to the general public to walk in at any given yeah. point. Yeah, cool. Um, Ridge, do you have anything else you want to touch on before we kind of talk about uh, TJ's take on entrepreneurs? Because I'm kind of interested to hear what he's got to say there. Um, I think, you know, I think I'm pretty good because I, I really want to hear. And yeah, if anything comes up, I'll just ask later. Let's yeah. jump in. Sure. So, yeah, you said you uh, you don't like the word entrepreneur or the, the term. Yeah, I, I think it, I might have, there's other people who disagree with me on this, but that's okay. Okay. When I think the word entrepreneur is thrown around too loosely um, by the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... You might, you guys might have experienced this where you have anybody call you up and say, Hey man, um, I'm involved in this business. I'm running my own home-based business now. I'm an entrepreneur, but I just need to sign you up and like four other people and get my down, right? Like immediately screams multi-level marketing. And I think I've been exposed to too many people in the multi-level marketing sphere over the last five, six years uh-huh. that call themselves entrepreneurs oh, yeah. because that's what they're fed to say. Oh, I, I'm part of this, this multi-level marketing selling energy drinks or essential oils whatever it is right uh-huh. i don't think that makes you an entrepreneur because you're part of a downline selling someone else's product and have to recruit people in order to make money but they're trained to say that yeah. that's part of the hype like hey you, you're an entrepreneur like you're starting your own business you're going to be financially free like all these buzzwords yeah. and i and i entrepreneur has been thrown in there as a buzzword right to financial freedom freedom residual income all these yeah. things that are associated with multi-level marketing or even sales and and by definition, entrepreneur, sure, it's someone who takes a risk to go out and start some a business or start something. I don't, I'm not, I don't know the Oxford Dictionary uh, definition of it, but uh-huh. um, by being a part of something like that and people feeding you, you're an entrepreneur because you're part of some existing business and you're gonna recruit people to be selling this product under you. You're not taking any risk to do that. Like, you're not putting your own money in other than what you're paying the guy above you, so he gets paid. Yeah. People argue, oh, well, by definition, you are an entrepreneur because you're starting something that 
uh, sure, like, but you get the point, like the the feel around uh-huh. it, and and the the way people throw it around loosely now. Yeah, like I, I just had someone call me a really good friend that I've been friends with forever, like four months ago. Hey man, how's life going? We started talking. He's like, I'm like, what are you doing now? He's like, oh, like I'm an entrepreneur now. I'm like, sweet man, like what are you, what do you, what you start? Like, <laughs> what do you got going on? You're all hyped. Yeah, so I'm yeah. excited for him. And yeah. he's like, he's like, oh, you know, like. Uh, I've got this this mentor who has got me and my wife set up to like find financial freedom and like do these things and immediately in my head I'm like oh no oh no oh no here we go and man. and he gets through this whole pitch he's like of, a financial advisor huh it's not even that they they are selling uh, life insurance or something oh uh, yeah but it's part of the it's just a multi level version yeah. of it right and and I'm like and so I actually called him out on I said listen. I won't use his name on here. I'm like, call him out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't call for that. Don't call that. Just put everyone on blast. Yeah. Um, I was like, what do you mean you're an entrepreneur? Because once I kind of caught what he's saying, he's like, well, like I, I'm creating a uh, an asset that's gonna give me residual income. I'm like, what do you mean an asset? Like, tell me what you mean by that. I'm like, I know what the, I know what I think that is, but what do you think that is? He's like, well, it's a it's a it's a thing that's gonna it's gonna make me financially like he couldn't even explain what an asset was or what an entrepreneur meant, but he been fed this. Yeah. And in my head, like I got off the phone with him. A guy's like, "Hey, dude, like I'm gonna be honest. I hope I hope you the best with it, but I'm really, probably not interested. Like I'll listen to your pitch if it helps you get some brownie points, but because okay. uh, he was like, want to set me up on a call with his boss. I'm like, dude, I'm not I'm not getting sucked into this. I'm not yeah. doing it. Like, um, and I was talking to my wife that night. I'm like, man, it's sad because like he really thinks he's an entrepreneur. Right. Well, it's like, it's nothing against him, but it's like the fact that like he's been like almost brainwashed. That's, yeah. Way. It's like, dude, come on, get out of it. Snap yeah. out. Let's go. Yeah. So I guess my, I like the world is tainted to me. Like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. You're it's like entrepreneur. the cool thing to do. Yeah. Know, to say, yeah. And it's like, sure. Like, so that's just me being silly. Like, it's just a personal pet thing in my own. I say pet peeve, but like. Uh, yeah, that's my beef with with people saying they're entrepreneurs because huh. like half the time they're not. Right. Yeah. They're 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 really not, but they they say they are. Yeah. Um, doing something like this where you're starting a business, like okay, now we're talking. Yeah. But there's too many too many scams and schemes and sales and yeah. all that stuff out there that they teach you you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. So uh, that's my that's my beef with okay. it. But you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to clear that. Uh, yeah, up. and I I yeah. At the end of the day, yes, I am. <laughs> um, what so? What advice would you have for a real entrepreneur, someone that's wanting to, you know, go off on their own, take that risk, and start their own business? Um, honestly, I, I want to say like, oh, from experience, go all in on it. Like, my experience with doing it wasn't I went all in because I was able to kind of grow it while I was yeah, doing, yeah. had have had a real job, if you will. Um, but I would say to to keep going, right. I think a lot of people, they get going and after a few roadblocks or they kind of feel burnt out after a few months of trying something, they quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that very easily, that's what I could have done because it wasn't like things were booming or, or awesome for the first year or even, but I still found myself spending three hours, four hours every night and, and working all day Saturdays on, on just grinding away and doing it and yeah. keeping it going. Um so yeah, I mean, sure you can throw yourself hundred percent in, quit your day job tomorrow, and go do this. Doesn't mean you'll be successful because you might get burned out and say I'm done after three months. But just keep going. Uh, every project I've been involved in, because like all of Avenues One and is our main one, but 
uh, with my brother and I, we've brothers and I, we've started a few other projects like this shirt I'm wearing. We started a, an esports organization. Oh no! I... Oh, that's cool. Um, so like something like that, it's just a grind. Like you start small, and and we don't even game. Like I play Call of Duty or whatever, but it's about um, we can talk after the business model of it's pretty much uh, social media influencing just th- through people who game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like something like that that could have failed months ago when people got burned out of it and it wasn't doing awesome and have a million followers already but you just keep grinding 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 and then it, it'll take off so but yeah my big advice biggest advice to anyone who's going to go do something is don't stop like you just have to keep hustling i think everyone thinks they're a hustler until they find out they're not <laughs> i think the difference of people who are actually hustlers are the ones who keep going and don't quit when okay For this sure. isn't going yeah. as expected we're not we're not getting the um the money out of it we want we're not getting the recognition we need yeah. to keep it growing like you just have to keep grinding yeah like i don't know anyone i'm sure they're out there but personally who's just been an overnight success mm-hmm. cool well i mean we got everything we wanted i think sure we're, beautiful yeah very well very well done okay we're gonna move on to a, a segment we have it's a little little almost like game show we have that we're Still trying to figure out what the name is. So if you have any suggestions, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, Basically, yeah. you have 60 seconds um, to answer as many questions as you can. There's 20 questions. Some are business-related. Some are just personal questions. They're all just about yourself. Okay. Um, and we'll see how many you can get in that 60 seconds. So 60 time. seconds. I answer these as quick as I can? Yes. Okay. Don's going to start. All right. So we have one minute starting in three, two, one. Um, if you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Jello. If you can turn an inanimate object into life, what would it be? Um, a teddy bear. <laughs> Most embarrassing moment? Uh, high school, junior year, my friend slapped me in the face and punched me right in the groin at the same time in front of everyone at lunch. It's pretty embarrassing. Awesome. Favorite junk food? Um, Flaming Hot Cheetos. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, to fly. Music you turn on when nobody is around. Oh, I don't want to answer this one. <laughs> I don't know. Probably something like Justin Bieber. Hey, let's oh, go. Uh, if you're stuck on an island, what would you bring with you? It can, anything. I can bring anything I want. Yeah. yeah. A boat. Okay. All right. Guilty pleasure. Um, oh, I don't have one. Uh, I don't have one. I don't have a guilty pleasure. Oh, time. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> Nice. So we got a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Pretty good. I kind of want to hear the rest. Can I hit me with just a couple? Can I cheat and do a couple more just well, for fun? Well, yeah. We just might... pick your favorite. Like pick your top. Dallin, you pick your, your favorite, favorite one, then I'll pick okay. one. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I, I'm just super interested. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Oh, that's a good one. I'm actually LeBron James. All right. Yeah. That's, that's a heated that's a bit debate. Of an issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oof, yeah. I, don't <laughs> even know. I think we're going to have to turn yeah, this off. All right. Um, I guess I'll ask mine. Uh, conspiracy theory that you believe? Uh, I think aliens are real. I don't so, know. UFOs like and stuff. Like the green ones? Or? No. Like UFOs and stuff? Like, yeah. I think that's real. Nice. Cool. So did you storm Area 51? I, not, not, not that dedicated to the all cause. Right, all right. <laughs> cool. Okay. I'll, I'll ask one more from here. We'll see if you have anything, any bits of wisdom for us, but favorite quote. Um, I have a quote that I really love. <clears throat> okay, favorite quote. 
is every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and knows it must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. It doesn't matter whether you're the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. So I like that because that's, that's part of that grinding, hustler, nice entrepreneur spirit, right? It's like, it doesn't matter what spot you're in. When the sun comes up, you better be running, better yeah. be working. Yeah, that's super cool. Mic drop. I'm not going to ask my question. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, yeah. can't, can't end any better. But I guess before we do close, you want to just take a second to um, let your listeners know where they can find you or they yeah. can check you out? Um, all of abjewelry.com. That's where we're at. Nice. That's the best place. If you want to want something, go browse there, email us, reach out. So um, we're happy to meet with people in person at our office. Just let us know. But mm-hmm. you'll find everything else you need on our website. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. Well, thanks, TJ. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. I'll um, be visiting with you soon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. We'll catch thanks, you guys, guys next time. Thanks.